0: I want to tell you, uh, we're starting a new series in Philippians. I'm going to tell you two incredible stories about two incredible women. And uh, in fact, they're so incredible that most people don't believe or understand the stories. And then in between, I want to talk to you from scripture and show you why these two women, incredible women, have such an incredible story uh, and how they get to where they are currently at. So about 10 years ago, uh, no, actually uh, a couple weeks ago, Jenny, not a real name, sent me an email just thanking me again for being part of the process of helping her walk through the tragedy of the suicide of her 22-year-old daughter. It happened about 10 years ago, and this is the 10-year anniversary of that, and uh, Jenny uh, was just thanking me, for for being there and for helping them at a very very difficult time. I first met Jenny, my first contact with her was at a funeral for her sixth child who was born who was stillborn and we had a funeral for that sixth child and then 10 years after, or 15 years after that, really the last time I saw them, I I was still, I had just started here, but their daughter, whom I knew well, had committed suicide, and so I went back to walk with them through that. And so she was uh, looking back, on the last 10 years at the loss of her daughter. And there was joy in her email, and there was always joy with Jenny. It didn't matter what she was facing, there was always a sense of joy about her, even in the midst of dealing with the suicide of her daughter. There was a joy about her. She was very compassionate, Jenny, she had a real heart for people that were uh, hurting or struggling. And so if she was covered in the vomit of somebody that she was helping, uh, there was joy. If she was refereeing her five children and, and the, the battles that could go on in the home between kids. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, there, she still had joy no matter what was going on in her children's life. And just in life in general, even when things were difficult, Jenny had joy. And so people ask, well how could you go through the suicide of a daughter and have joy. And that's a misconception of joy. Because we don't understand it. How? How are you supposed to have joy in that situation? In fact, let's go a little bit broader. How are you supposed to have joy when you feel the pain of your child coming home from school and they're being bullied? How are you supposed to have joy when you know you're the next on the chopping block and you're not going to have a job? How are you supposed to have joy when your business is failing and you're not sure you're gonna pay the, be able to pay the bills or what are you gonna do for income? How do you have joy when you're saving for a home and the, the cost of the home is going up more than the, the amount of your savings how do you have joy when you can't have a child how do you have joy when things are falling apart in your marriage so it doesn't make sense and yet that's what scripture tells us to hold on to like that we're going to see a victory like what you quoted rob that God is going to use this situation to bring about something we don't understand. And so we're going to look at the book of Philippians because it is called the letter of joy. Now what's ironic about this book is the writer, the Apostle Paul, is in prison while he writes the letter of joy. So if he can find joy in prison, being in prison for sharing the name of Christ, he's not there because he's a criminal, he's there because he dared to share the gospel to people and it caused such a stirring in the, the Roman world that they put him in prison. And so if he can produce a letter of joy when he's in prison being falsely accused or accused for doing good, well then maybe he has something to say about us having joy in the things we don't typically have joy in. Now let me first disabuse you of a false understanding of joy. We often use joy and happiness as synonyms. All basically mean the same thing. Well, they don't. Happiness is that elation, optimism, a well feeling of well-being, man, I feel great, when good things are good in your life. Jo- Happiness is the smile on the face of a bride on her wedding day. Everything has come together, and she just can't stop smiling. She's so happy because her circumstances have all come together, and, and the day of her dreams is happening. Happiness is when a, an athlete wins the championship, and they're so overjoyed they're jumping up and down and they're screaming and everybody's cheering. That's happiness, because the circumstances have all come together. Happiness is a parent when their child walks across the stage graduating. After all that work, they're finally get graduating. That's, this is incredible. That's hap- Happiness is the result. It's that elation. It's that good feeling. It's, it's how we feel when our circumstances are good, when they are meeting our expectations, when, when things are just so good, we feel so good. And it's not something we choose. It's something that we, it's a reaction in us. Well, technically, I guess we do choose it, but it's because of the circumstances we're in. Now, we can have joy in, in good circumstances. You don't have to work to have joy in circumstances, good circumstances. Joy is different. Joy is a choice. Stop there. Joy is a choice. It's choice. You're going to hear this a lot. Joy is a choice that we make to exalt or praise or have uh, a sense of peace when in our circumstances, because we know that Jesus promises that good will come from them. Stop, let's go back through that. It is a choice to believe that what I'm going through, God will bring victory through, even if right now I don't feel good about these choices. I don't think Jenny felt good about the suicide of her daughter. She wept over the loss of her daughter. Her heart was broken over the loss of her daughter. And yet in her faith, because she, has always been a, she had always been a woman for joy of joy ever since I knew her, there was a sense of, but Jesus is here and he will get me through this. He will get our family through this. And that's what I'm leaning on, not the feelings of dread and fear and anxiety that are filling me right now. It's not that we don't have these feelings of fear, dread, and anxiety. That's where the battle is. The battle is to say, choose instead to trust Christ in the midst of your fear and anxiety and dread. It is why, this is why this is a Christian virtue. Because you can't have joy in painful, difficult circumstances if you don't have a Christ who's greater than your circumstances and promises you that I will bring good from this. This is a spiritual battle. This is a response we choose to the situations we are in. Now, if our situations are good like I mean, we're all joyful, that's not hard. Thank you Jesus. This is wonderful. It's wonderful my kid graduated. Wonderful that my daughter is so happy. It's wonderful, you know, that I got this job. That's all praise God. But that same sense of joy minus probably the happiness is what Jesus says now, when you, things aren't going so well, do you still trust me? Do you still hope in the victory that I'm going to bring? Do you think I'm greater than what you're going through? This is why in uh, James chapter one, verse two, when James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. How do you consider it joy when things are going south? Because you know that Jesus is gonna bring a victory. That your difficulty and your pain is not by accident. It's not without purpose. And it will bear fruit if you are willing to trust him. There's the battle. There's the spiritual battle. And joy, if you remember in Galatians 5, is a fruit of the spirit. And all those fruit require effort. They require trust. They require working with the Holy Spirit, following Jesus, trusting in him, reshaping our mind, our hearts, our desires to align with him and then walking with him. Joy is a spiritual fruit of the Spirit, but it requires effort and it requires a choice when you're feeling that dread and you're feeling that hurt and you're feeling that loss to say but Jesus, I trust you. Now, Paul, the reason we're going to go in Philippians, because, like I said, it's interesting that Paul is in jail writing the letter of joy. Not likely the letter you'd get from me if I were in jail falsely accused. Now, I want to just do a quick overview of the book, just to show you how joy comes out of it, and then the next four weeks after that, we're going to dig deeper into each of the chapters. So, if you go to one chapter one verse fifteen and uh, through eighteen, this is really interesting. Paul says, um, "We'll spend more time on this next week." It's true that some. So he's talking about proclaiming the gospel how the gospel's going out uh, in Philippi. And then he says, now it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others preach Christ out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, those that preach Christ because they love Christ, they love Paul, they, they know the gospel's the hope of mankind, so they keep preaching it knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. This is just the price that Paul has to pay and, and we're going to keep preaching Christ and we love Paul and we love Christ and we're going to keep doing it and, and we know this may cause problems for Paul but he knows that. He willingly went into this and it's the price he's willing to pay. But the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Like honestly, I didn't really understand. How do you preach Christ out of selfish ambition? They don't preach Christ sincerely. They preach the gospel supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. So picture this. You decide you're going to really live for Christ, and then you start sharing the gospel with your family and friends. So you ask those shy questions. You remember those? You start. Ask, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Or Who do you think Jesus was, Jay, or... uh, uh, H, do you think heaven and hell are real or not? And then the, the why is you. How, do you know how God draws close to you? And so you ask one of those questions, and you start a conversation. And of course, you start sharing the gospel. And some people, you start to try to share the gospel with. They don't want to hear it. Some do, and you know, you're telling your family and friends the gospel. And then one of your one of your fa- family or friends gets really upset with you and so they go around to the people your family and friends and they say can you believe that can you believe that Ed unbelievable, telling us that we're sinners. Who does he think he is? What self-righteousness to going around telling us we're sinners? And then he says, the only way that you can deal with your sin is to believe in Jesus Christ. How narrow-minded can a person be? Like all the other religions are wrong and Jesus is the only way. This is absolutely absurd. I can't believe. He's become one of those Bible thumpers. Now, if, if a friend or family member did that to you, How would you feel? Well, you'd feel hurt. Maybe even shame-filled. You're, I don't know, they think I'm a Bible-thumper. Look how Paul feels. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Interesting way to look at it, eh? They're out there trying to preach Christ. They're they're telling people about Christ, not because they believe it, but because they want Paul to get in trouble, and then maybe the authorities will see the commotion being caused by the gospel going out, and they'll put Paul in prison for longer, maybe even kill him. And Paul's response isn't, ooh, it's, what does it matter? Hey, Christ is, I've given my life to Christ being preached. If they want to go out and carry the gospel to people I can't carry it to and mock it, but then give the gospel to people, hey, my goal in life is being filled. I rejoice. Interesting that the opposition and attack against him he looks at with joy. He chooses joy. I'm not going to look at the shame or the dread or the anxiety that may come out of that. I'm going I'm to rejoice and I'm going to choose to exalt in Christ that his word, which I've given my life to, is going out. That's what's important and I am full of joy because of that. It's not that he doesn't realize the other part going on. It's he chooses to trust in Christ and focus on what's best. Hey, let him preach. Let him preach. Makes me happy. Hmm. You know, I wonder if when, like, let's be honest for a second. Is that not one of the reasons you struggle to share Jesus with people? is for me. It's why sometimes I go quiet. When I know I should say something, I go quiet. I'm afraid of what people might say about me or to me. And But I should be going, well, if I got to take a hit so Jesus' name can be, be shared and so that they can hear the truth, hey, that. that those that suffer with him will reign with him is what he says. Well, why am I focusing on the fear and dread? Why am I not focusing instead on what Christ promises and the good he promises that will come from this? There's the battle to choose joy right there in your life. There's the battle. Another way that Paul chooses joy and comes out in the second chapter in verse 17 and 18, and he's he's talking about Christ and how Christ is. Uh uh, humbled himself and became a servant so that he could uh, save mankind and then Paul says man i've been given I've done e- uh, everything I can to serve and to give my life and you're following Christ and and you're doing works for Christ and he says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all, so too you should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, the concept here of a drink offering comes from the Old Testament. And so in the Old Testament, they would would offer sacrifices. They would kill an animal and offer it. And uh, on many, not all, but many of those sacrifices, the offerer, the worshiper, would then take wine, a portion of wine, and as it was being offered, pour the wine as a drink offering over the sacrifice. kind of the, the, the meat was the bread of God, the, the wine was the drink of God was the way that they would look at it. And that was very interesting about this drink offering. It was only begun after they had entered the land. So the sacrificial system was given through Moses out in the desert, but the drink offering was instituted After they were in the land, when they had their rest, or another way to say it is when victory had been given to them through God bringing them into the land fulfilling his promises. So it was a drink offering given to acknowledge the victory of God and nobody, while a worshiper could cut off pieces of meat and take it and eat the meat that was part of the worship, the offering and most, but not all, of the offerings, uh, nobody could touch the drink offering. That was for God and God alone. Now I find that interesting, Paul says, my life is a drink offering poured out on the sacrifice of your works for God. So, their works were like the sacrifice laid on the altar, given to God, and, and the cost and the price of their obedience to obey Christ and to proclaim the name of Christ and to follow Christ in their lifestyle. Paul says that's a sacrifice like in the Old Testament, and it's given to God. And my life that is being poured out, remember, he's in prison, they don't know if he's going to live, and my life is like a drink offering, and it's, it's poured out because of the victory that God has had in you and is having in you, and my life is only for God. It is an offering given to be only used of God, and so I want you to rejoice with me, because I rejoice with you in what God is doing in you, and I want you to rejoice with me that my life could be a drink offering for God poured out on top of all that you are doing and give him glory and give him praise and lift the name of Christ in your city. Huh. Isn't that interesting? I'm in prison. I may die. I don't know. We're going to find out. He's not sure whether he's going to live or die. And he's going, oh, I'm full of joy. I'm joyful that he, you're following God and praising him and your life is an offering for him. And I get that. Remember, he was the one that carried the gospel to them. And, and God has used me to bring about this and my life is poured out for him. You need to rejoice with me. Not not be afraid I'm going to die. Not be afraid and fearful of what the, 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 the uh, authorities might do. You need to rejoice with me. Look what God is doing. All glory should be to him. We get to praise him. We get to stand for him. We get to be a light in the world while we're still here. You need to be happy for me. No. You need to be joy filled. Yes, loss may come, but don't focus on the loss. Focus on Christ and what he is doing. They're pretty strong words coming from a guy who might soon be dead. His cell could open any day and they go, come on, you're going to be put to death. And yet, not fear, anxiety, dread, hey, rejoice with me. Again, that is a spiritual battle to have that heart in those circumstances. It is not natural. There's nothing to be happy about, the circumstances aren't great. There is a struggle going on and yet Paul is choosing to rejoice because he knows Jesus and he knows Jesus is going to bring a victory through all of this. One that will bring great joy to him. And so he lives in the joy now before the victory. So you can live in joy before your victory. That comes with faith. Finally, He focuses on the presence of God, not the problems that surround him. In um, chapter four, uh, verses four, these are verses that um, many, many people have, they quote "In, in their difficulty, and rightfully so. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always, notice that word. Rejoice in the Lord always. When things are good, when things are bad. I'll say it again, just so you don't miss it. Rejoice, have joy. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is what's that next word? Say it out loud. Okay, <laughs> this is the part where you like. I only give you to say one word the whole sermon, right? You got to come. You got to come through for me. The Lord is near, near right? He's near. The Lord is right here in our lives. And so this is what he said. So don't be anxious about anything, anything calling you, causing you anxiety, your kids, your job, your health, your money, your future, your past. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, remember, he's in prison and unsure if he's going to live or die. But in every situation, here's how the spiritual battle is won. You pray and you petition God for what you need, and then you thank him for his presence and what he has done. And you can even thank him for what he's going to do. Well, I don't know what he's going to do. Ah, But faith says, because Jesus promised, I will bring a victory. I will bring good. I will bring strength. I will bring relief. I will bring hope. I will bring change. All of which does not mean I will bring what you want. <laughs> there are two different things. Jesus says, I'm here. I'm leading this situation. I'm taking it to an end. And if you want to trust me and trust in my power and trust in my love, then have joy because I'm taking this somewhere. Oh, I understand it's hard right now. That's why I'm telling you, pray and give petition and give thanks, pour your heart out onto me. we, We sang this song, the battle is won where? On our knees, when we exalt him and lay it all at his feet. It's a battle to have joy. It's not something like happiness that comes you know, we, I don't even have to work at happiness. When everything works out, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, but what percentage of your life are you happy, really? Honestly, <laughs> you know. Have that discussion at home. Yeah, what percentage would you put on happiness in my life? Like 85, 90%? Oh, there's a five in it, but there's not an eight before it. And he says, always and everything... You pour out your heart to God. You thank him for what he will do. You thank him for what he is doing. You thank him for what he has done. And then just present your request to God. Focus on the presence of God and the peace of God which transcends means goes beyond all understanding, there will become, a peace will transcend into your heart that goes beyond anything you understand. You won't get how it happens. It happens because you're in the presence of God and his presence begins to fill you with the peace. And it trans- all, transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your mind. What will it guard your heart and mind from? The fear, the anxiety, the dread, the uncertainty. It guards against that because your mind and your heart is like, Jesus, I trust you. Now, I told you I was going to tell you about two women. I told you about Jenny, who had sorrow and pain at the loss of her daughter, but joy in the midst of it. It wasn't because she was ignorant. It wasn't shock. It was how uh, Jenny lived. And even in the deepest pain of her life to that point, she still had joy. Well, let me tell you about a woman that you may be more familiar with from our church. There are three women in our church right now that are undergoing a serious, difficult battle with cancer. One of them is Salome Legament. So when, she got, when I found out that she had cancer uh, and it was bad and that the doctors had said to her, Martin, you are, uh, by the way, she gave me permission to tell a story. So I, I don't ever tell a story about anybody unless I first get their permission. So I went to, uh, um, I, I thought I should go visit them because they've been, not only is she battling with cancer, the battle is going downhill. They've told her there's no more hope. You probably should prepare for death. I thought, well, maybe some, I'm going to go pray and hopefully I can keep, get her mind focused on God and and help her to see his promises, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm just going to go and see if I can do, be the voice of God in her life somehow. So I walked into her, their home, um, kind of with fear and trembling, because I didn't know what I was going to find, like, how would you be if you were told that news? And but uh, maybe I could encourage her in some way. So I, <laughs> I come in and I sit down, and um, Salome is sitting in her chair, and has this big smile on her face. I'm like, okay, that doesn't fit in this situation. And we get talking. And here are her words as I remember them. She said, yes, these are, when I asked her if I could use this story, she said, yeah, these, this is how I remember it too. She said, Pastor Ed, I don't want to die. But every day, I thank God for the illness and sickness he brought in my life. I'm sorrowful for my kids, she has four kids. I'm sorrowful for my kids, she's only in her early 50s, and that I may never see grandkids. But I sit and talk with Jesus for hours every day, right in this very chair I'm sitting in, and I have never experienced a deeper joy in my life than when I am with Jesus, and I thank him for this trial in my life. It has given me far greater joy than anything could ever give me. I know, I don't want to be gone for my kids, but I know Jesus will take care of them. I know he'll take care of my husband. But I thank him for the grace of giving me this trial. Joy. How does a person who's being told they're dying Have joy. It's not that she didn't know sorrow and grief because we talked about that. But joy overwhelmed all that because she met with Jesus every, she goes, every day he meets with me. It's like he's sitting right there talking to me so clear is his presence and so thankful I am for this gift that he's given me and the hope it's bringing that if this is what it's like on earth, imagine what it will be like when I go to heaven. And be in his presence. Now you explain that to me. You can't unless you believe Jesus. Unless you believe in the truth that Jesus says, I'm with you, I'm near, I'll walk with you, and I will bring a victory and good from what now appears difficult, painful, sorrowful, anxious-driven, dreadful time." So, joy is a Christian value that Paul and James and God expects us to experience, but it's not something like happiness that you just feel because everything's going well. It is something that we gain through spiritual battle and effort by faith in Christ, by focusing on his presence, not the problems in our lives. And if Jesus isn't real to you, then this isn't going to be in your life. And perhaps the pain of your situation that you are in is so that you may experience what Salome is experiencing. By the way, her last report is everything's turned around and the cancer's starting to shrink. It doesn't mean she's healed, but it's going the right direction. Joy. You wanna have joy? (laughs) don't say, yeah, I'd like to, but look what's going on in my life because it's in those very situations that both Paul and James says, there's the time to have joy. If you're willing to engage in the spiritual battle of putting your trust in Christ and his promises to you and then walking with him. So, are you angry and anxious and fearful and bitter and dreadful? over the situations in your life right now? Or are you having peace and hope and joy even though the situations are hard? Which one is you? And which one do you want to be? It's your choice. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I'm aware that this is a battle for me it's not like I've got this conquered. I walked out of that meeting with Salome. You know because I told you that I repented of the anger and the bitterness and the, the fear that was filling my heart from different situations. And when I saw joy lived out in front of me, I was rebuked. If this woman can walk with Jesus and have joy with what she's facing, how could I not walk with joy with what I was facing. And God, her testimony is from from both Jenny and Salome is that how can any of us not walk in joy if we're willing to trust you? Help us to be people who Win this fruit in our lives through struggle and trusting you and battling against the emotions that can fill us with trust and with prayer and with faith. Maybe we walk and be people of joy saying, I know this battle I'm in, God is going to bring victory because he promised it. Might not be the victory I hope for or expect. But it'll be the victory that is good and will bring glory to Christ. So, God, help us to learn this gift of joy, especially in a world where there's so much anxiety and fear and dread, for people to see joy in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray.